0: for the fifth Sunday of Lent is taken from John chapter 11, verse 1 through 45. It's a very beautiful gospel, rich in meaning and filled with a number of wonderful elements. Its main thrust is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Today I'm going to focus on one small portion of the gospel. It tells the story of Martha and Mary who were sisters of Lazarus, who himself had died and been entombed already for four days. Martha had excitedly gone out to meet Jesus on his arrival in Bethany, which was a small village about two miles from Jerusalem. On finding him, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, The one who is coming into the world. Let me repeat these key words. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let me ask you, do you believe this promise of Christ? Or is it simply too far out there to accept? Does it seem impossible? But why should it be impossible for God, whose power is unrestricted? Jesus is telling us that in joining into union with Him through faith, we become immortal. Although our physical body will die, we are ultimately placed beyond death's power by our communion with Him who is himself the resurrection and the life. Jesus is life itself. Jesus is our life principle. He is our God who sustains us in existence and who will continue to do so even after death. In fact, as the book of Genesis tells us, it is the Word of God who speaks creation itself into existence, and Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. In Christ, death no longer has its sting, for we will be raised up with Him into newness of life. Think about what that means for a moment. Reflect on the promise of the general resurrection, which is the promise of God, and which is a promise to raise our bodies from the dead and reunify them to our souls on Christ's second coming. On that wonderful day, those who have died loving Christ, will receive a glorified body patterned after the glorified and resurrected body of Jesus. We often talk about updates and upgrades in computer lingo. Well, this is a serious upgrade of our physical body, one which will last for all time. However, it is often the case that many Christians today doubt the Church's teaching on the general resurrection found in tradition and Scripture. It seems too fantastic to be real. Yet the reality is, it is in everyone's future. We profess our belief in the resurrection from the dead every Sunday at Mass when we recite the Nicene Creed. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, in Articles 997-1004, through 1004, provides information based on tradition, scripture, and the teaching of the Church on what we know will take place at the General Resurrection. Here are some of its main key points. What is rising? In death, the separation of the soul from the body, the human body decays and the soul goes to meet God while awaiting its reunion with its glorified body. God, in His almighty power, Will definitively grant incorruptible life to our bodies by reuniting them with our souls through the power of Jesus' resurrection. Who will rise? All the dead will rise those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is taken from John chapter 5 and Daniel chapter 12. How will the dead rise? Christ is raised with his own body. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, as we find in Luke chapter 24. But he did not return to an earthly life. So in him, all of them will rise again with their own bodies, which they now bear. But Christ will change our lowly body to be like his glorified body into a spiritual body and from St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish man, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body which is to be, but a bare kernel. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. The dead will be raised imperishable, for this perishable nature must put on the imperishable, and this mortal nature must put on immortality. This how exceeds our imagination and understanding, teaches the Catechism. It is accessible only to faith, yet our participation in the Eucharist already gives us a foretaste of Christ's transfiguration of our bodies. Just as bread that comes from the earth after God's blessing has been invoked upon it, is no longer ordinary bread but Eucharist, formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly, so too our bodies, which partake of the Eucharist, are no longer corruptible, but possess the hope of resurrection. The Eucharist, which is Christ himself, implants in us His own life. It is the hope of the resurrection. And continuing with the Catechism, when will we rise from the dead? Definitively, at the last day, at the end of the world. And this is taken from John chapter 6. Indeed, the resurrection of the dead is closely associated with Christ's parousia. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven, With a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is taken from Romans chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 2. St. Thomas Aquinas provides us with an interesting and detailed theology on the glorified body those who follow Christ will receive at the general resurrection. If you'd like to learn more about this, it can be found in the Summa Theologica, Supplement to the Third Part, which is available at newadvent.org online. We find in the teaching of St. Thomas five main properties of the glorified body. One property is identity. The glorified body we receive, raised from the dead, will be our body, not a foreign or alien body. We will recognize it as our own we will also recognize the bodies of others and they will recognize us its quality it will be at the height of its powers fully possessing integrity and health our glorified body will be beautiful powerful and in a state of perfection this relates to the fullness of life of the glorified state It is not a diminished state, but a completed, elevated one. Impassibility. This refers to unchangeability. Our glorified body will never diminish, age, fall ill, or die. It is not susceptible to injury, sickness, death, or decay. It might be thought of as a spiritualized body, although bear in mind it is a physical body, not simply a spirit. Agility. This property refers to complete ease of movement. St. Thomas thought that we would move in a similar manner to that of the angels, in a spiritual way, at the speed of thought. Perhaps the whole universe will be our playground. Each place is made readily accessible by simply thinking about it. In any case, the normal constraints of time and space will not apply as they do now in the material world clarity this property refers to luminosity we get a glimpse of this concept in the transfiguration event when the divine nature of jesus shines out illuminates his human nature his glory shines through and he becomes radiant like the sun dazzling white we can see that this also entails a type of transparency the beauty of the spiritual soul with its radiant holiness as well as our share in the divine nature of God, are interior and invisible realities. Clarity of the glorified body refers to how these realities will illuminate outward appearances from within. Divine light will radiate outward throughout the glorified body. When we think about Christ's promise of the resurrection from the dead, We are engaging the theological virtue of hope, which is a gift from God normally received at baptism and through faith in Christ. This gift enables us to trust in the promises of Christ and look forward to the fullness of life to come, which is defined as eternal communion with the tripersonal God and life everlasting. God indeed has beautiful things in store for those who love Him that are beyond the imagination. Although we face many challenges in life, the virtue of hope strengthens us by directing our thoughts to heavenly things and the absolutely certain and unwavering promises of God. With God's grace and in combination with your own indispensable efforts, enter fully into intimate communion with Christ. It's all about living forever the life of perfect happiness and love. It's about true human fulfillment. Praise be to God.